Welcome to What's in the Box, a show about films, pop culture, and literally nothing else. Well, nothing else at all. Nothing, literally not, nothing this else. This week, we are sponsored by Beecham's and Sudafed, and Chris is just happy to be alive. Yeah, I'm pretty happy, actually, to yeah. be alive. Thanks for pointing that out. It's really important. Sorry. There's some good stuff happening this week. It's been trailer-tastic. Because of the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl happens, and then people spend millions of pounds on 30-second TV spots, don't they? Especially film studios. What were the big trailers in this year's superb bowl? Solo was the big one. Solo has dropped. Yep. Solo has dropped. The trailer for the trailer was all right, but the actual trailer, or teaser, was even better. What are you on about? What? The, are they not the same thing? There was a teaser for the teaser. Oh, yes. Oh, well, that, I just thought that was two, two teaser trailers. It was, technically. But, okay. the, but we now live in a society where you don't not only have a teaser... For the teaser trailer, yeah. you also, if you're on social media, have the trailer before the trailer. Just trailer to make sure yep. you've got they've got your attention, so you know what you're watching for, what you're about to watch, for what you're going to watch yep. later, and plan your life accordingly. Hey mate, what did you reckon about the teaser and pre-trailer trailer for Solo? After watching it about a hundred times, mm. I, I'm in. I mean, my worry is okay. that the trailers for Rogue One looked amazing as well. Didn't it look the same? Doesn't, don't you think it shares that same like aesthetic as Rogue One did? Yes. And I'm Where happy. I like that. Well, because it's past. <laughs> That's the no, it's, it's, it's in that period, what, the pre-A New Hope period. My bro made a, made a good point about this. Um, do you think they're trying to distinguish these films in terms of the visual style from the canon Star Wars ones? Not canon. And make them feel not, or look different? Not necessarily, but they are period pieces, mm. like however you look at them. So we're going back to roughly the same time period. Okay, it's going to be, it's about 20 years before Rogue One. Yeah. No, 20 years, 30. No, in fact, it's going to be about 10 years before Rogue One. Yeah, okay. So it is, we, they have, they've, film period pieces so it's going back to that a new hope aesthetic i do think they they look similar and they look different to mm. the star wars films don't they it's like yes, for me because, it's like natural because, light a lot of natural light um like that kind of you know the intro shots of rogue one on that planet yes shot in daytime with a lot of natural light so a lot of white and that I, I, you got a hint of that with the solo trailer as well didn't you with that yeah. woody, bit with woody harrison i don't know how rich Woody Harrison is these days because he is in every single film that has been released the over the character. last like four years. Yeah. He's in every science fiction film. He's doing amazing for himself. <laughs> Do you remember um, last week when we were chatting about Star Wars and the batteries ran out? Yes. And you distinguish it. I remember it vividly. You know, I wrote that joke for you to do when you were like past future podcast, Tristan, and you no, said it later, everyone, I apologize. Um, well, present podcast, Chris, me. It's still a little bit upset about that, mate. That's okay. You keep it to yourself and we'll move on and talk about... We Venom. we lost 40 minutes of we gold. Oh. I started ranting about Disney, mate. Remember you that? Did. Yes, yeah. yeah. Disney rant. So I slaved away for five days trying to recover that audio on every forum, learned some amazing tricks for yeah. any future problems that might happen. <laughs> okay. Is, um, that, is that plugged in? Plug it in. Plug it in. Press record. Okay. Watch it like a hawk. Um... What else about Solo? My, 
I tell you my fear about the film. There'll be a roll. They'll they'll cram in every single reference that we've heard before in one film, and it'll just be like. uh, I think it might. Yeah, it runs the danger of being too much. I mean, they're doing the Castle Run. Apparently, the danger is it's going to become too self-referential and cool. Uh, Um, But I do trust. They've got a seasoned director, and I trust that. I trust that Ron Howard can do it. Yeah, but he's not got to do much, has he? He's just got a like point the camera and it's it's the writing that, that i'm worried about and it's been written Sorry. by lawrence castan so it's, that's it's, in it's, safe hands right yeah but what about all that shit that we heard about the directors getting binned off and the fucking lead character needing acting lessons no see I, he i don't think this is right i think this is the internet twisting something i don't think he needed acting lessons i think he had an acting coach and yeah. if you go back and look at any credits for any film that you've ever seen oh. there'll be an acting coach in there Right, okay. And also, Ron Howard, like a well-versed actor, probably gets directing actors more than any Hollywood director apart from Clint Eastwood. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Whatever. What, I, I remember your amazing Clint Eastwood uh, anecdote. <laughs> I, wish was it was, I wish it was mine. No, it, was, <laughs> it was Jay Moore. Jay, Jay Moore. Moore. What's this? How do yeah, you say Jay it? Moore. Jay Moore, who was just <laughs> talking about on the set of Hereafter, yeah. where they had an extra in for the day. All she had to do was give this letter to Matt Damon. Right. She's basically goes, this lady, she wants a goddamn Oscar. So she's like, she, Matt Damon goes to get the letter and she like pulls it away. She's like, yeah, John, uh, your brother, uh, he came by, he uh, wanted you to have this. And well, ad- ad-libbing. Yeah, just ad-libbing, apparently oh, from in offset. In front of Eastwood. Yeah, from offset, you hear this, uh, cut! Uh, oh, hold on a second, everybody. And there's just silence, like with the exception of the whir of the camera. Yeah. And he walks up these stairs and he's saying like he's 80,000 years, yeah, so it takes yeah, forever. Yeah. And he goes, uh, sweetheart, I cannot tell you how little this movie is about you. And there's just oh. silence. He goes, I mean, if I could have hired just your arm, Christ, I would have. Oh, <laughs> and then yes. if that's not bad enough, he goes, so let's do it again and let's not make a big song and dance about it. I mean, it's only make believe for Christ's sake. Oh, he just killed everyone. <laughs> so he fucking cuts her in half and he said, they're all like, everybody's trying not to look at each other because if they do, they're just going to burst into laughter. Yeah. He said, but all you can hear in silence is him walking down three flights of stairs, like, <laughs> with his little spurs on still. Yeah, little gum belt. He's like, oh God. But it did make me, oh, oh it made me wet up. myself. It's not the only Star Wars news this week. They've also announced. What? They've also announced <laughs> <laughs> that the showrunners from Game of Thrones are going to be getting their own trilogy on top of Ryan Johnson. Is that still happening now? Yes, that's still happening. Rot's really excited about that because you've not seen Game of Thrones, have you, Chris? Yeah, I saw um, the first episode at Christmas a few years ago in front of my parents and there's quite a lot of incest in that there, there episode, is, isn't there? Yeah, there is. So, yeah. you know, that got turned off. <laughs> okay. The reason why this is a good thing, they've already proved that they can do amazing special effects on a modest budget. Like dragons and, uh, yeah. and midgets. Say, and I say modest because, okay, it's big budget TV, but it's still modest in compared to like $230 million Star Wars film. Yeah. Okay. But these guys are character heavy. Which are, is are these the showrunners? Yeah, Fuck showrunners man. and writers. It's decent. Isn't now, the the only worry or concern is, can they do? Because they're used to telling ten hour stories. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Can they do? I was going to say to begin with, I was worried like, oh my god, can they do a two hour story? But it's not. It's going to be a six hour story, isn't it? Yeah, which, at, least, at least. Which seems six to nine, I think. Seems a lot more possible. So I think this is a great thing. Yes. I'm more excited about this than I am about. Ron Howard. Or Ryan Johnson's one. Or Ryan Johnson's uh, one. What is this, though? Is this... Uh, are these 
cinematic releases. I'm assuming they're cinematic releases because they've also announced they're going to be doing a series, a, a bunch of series, Star Wars live action series as right. well, okay. which is going to be on their Disney streaming channel, yeah. which is just going to launch them now. Like everybody yeah, who was yeah, yeah. toying with going over there, they're going. You know, um, they can take my money now. You know, like last the other week when I was last episode when I was slagging off the extended universe. Yes. Well, that is what's happening again, isn't it? They're actually making the extended universe and they're filming it. They're creating a new extended yes, universe. Yes, that's what they're doing. Yeah, visually, like yeah. on film, which I guess will become canonized. Yeah, until uh, they decide they don't want it anymore. Because it, which I which I think is a good thing because you hire they'll they'll hire better talents. Mm. You know, seasoned directors, seasoned writers. So it's, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I think Kathleen Kennedy's learned the mistakes from Rogue One and from Solo. Solo. Hopefully, we'll see. Which was a great, it was really nice that she was reaching out to new up and coming talent. Yeah. But it's now proved that that isn't the way to go. Yeah, I know. She's not going to do that again, is she? No. I mean, no. she'll get fucking sacked. If, the amount of money. Can she actually be sacked? Yeah, of course. Okay. The amount of money she must have cost that, like, business. Ridiculous. Oh, for the reshoots and stuff. Not like just that, that but hiring fucking people like Howard and all that, like, they must cost a fortune. And they can, they can command whatever they want, right? They're not going to... I don't think Howard's going to give too much um, of a shit about the badge value of directing a Star Wars film at his age. There will be that a little bit, but he can just roll up and say, well, looks like you're in a tight spot. I'm going to now I'm going to put an extra zero on that. I think he could also turn around and they could go, well, fuck you. We could ask anybody if they want to do this job and they'll say yes. I don't know. I think they're way more desperate than that. I reckon Howard would have done it for free. I'd have done it for free. Because he's such a nice guy. Yeah, he's so smiley. Um... Oh, yeah. Actually, I wanted to ask you about some Star Wars related shit. Didn't you go to that uh, Void thing in Westfield? I did. It was absolutely incredible. Was it? What was it? It was amazing. So VR. What they... Yeah, it's VR. Um, And what it looked like from the trailer, because obviously the trailer for these things, like they do trailers for rides now and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. The trailer's never going to be as good as the experience. What it looked like it was, was that they'd... You were in virtual reality Mm. and they had made... A physical course as well which matches the virtual world like augmented reality as no well. no no as it not augmented so you're not seeing what's actually there and oh. seeing something over the top of it you're seeing you're fully immersed yeah but the course that's in vr is is real as well as physical so for example if you reach out and touch a wall in vr mm-hmm. it's you can feel it because it's physically there so Oh, wow. That's what it looked like on the trailer. So is it like VR Laser Quest? That's an oversimplification of it. So that's anyway, that's what I was hoping it was. Oh, right. You're Sorry, right. yeah, that's what you're hoping it was. Because that's what it looked yeah. like from the trailer. And then I got there yeah. and that's exactly what it was. Yeah. But more, it was amazing. <laughs> so you, so the, we'll, we're queuing up and Mish goes, because you can see, we, you, we could just see some of the lights above the course. And that was it. Because you're all boxed in. Yeah. And she goes, I think there's a heat lamp up there. I was like, oh looks like yeah that's weird and it wasn't till later on where we were stormtroopers yep on a skiff so there's like a group of you there's two of us you can go and group up up to six. Oh yeah okay there was just the two of us and we were on a skiff floating over mustafa going into an imperial base yeah and i was like i can i can smell burning and then and mish was like like, can you feel heat so you're going over the lava planet and that's when you're under this bit with the heat lamp and there's the smell of burning rubber so are you like on a static platform or do you walk you walk through the course you walk through the course ah 
so it's fucking so like yeah. I said it's amazing so if like there was a moment where there's we're walking on there was a load of guide rail like handrails yeah we were on a lift going down and we stormtroopers are shooting at us and stuff like yeah, that yeah. and I reached out just to see if it was actually a, a pole like in front of me yeah, yeah. Like, it was a fucking pole oh, and it wow. was amazing so when you're touching buttons in virtual like the, the control consoles yeah. they've been built physically as well so it was uh, just really? You you're like oh my god this is where it this is where it's going like the graphics are fantastic yeah okay um, can you see like your arms and stuff yep you can there's really? a certain amount of augmented reality in there in a sense oh, which is yeah. this motion tracking so it could tell where your hands were and yeah. your hands were in, clad in stormtrooper armor yeah you pick up your blaster at one point and it's you know one of the Star Wars blasters okay. it was fantastic but what was crazy yeah. is it was screwing up my mind so much that there were points where we had to walk across really narrow gantries mm. and I'm afraid of heights yeah and even though i knew it wasn't real my brain's like there was a point where mish was like why aren't you moving i was like i'm okay just like took a, <laughs> took a breath and then just walked in a straight line down this narrow thing because my brain was just like you're hundreds of feet up yeah like there was moments where you actually had to stop and remember to look around and take it all in it was so, fantastic so um all right so would you recommend it yeah and if it's on mustafa is do they is that where Darth Vader's castle is? Yeah, that's where Mordor is and Bowser's castle yeah. as well. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, do you see we've that? Been in it? private jokes already. Oh shit! Uh, no, you don't see it. It's just a ba- it's just a base on Mustafa. Tristan, Tristan, Tristan. Tell me how it ranks compared to Alien War back in the old nineties. Oh, 90s. that's a totally different experience. Cause what? Hundred percent real. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Alien War. So to anyone who doesn't know what this was, in the 90s, just after Alien 3, there was a touring sort of live action scare house, I guess, that 20th Century Fox had licensed and it did, it was up in Glasgow for a while and it was a 30 minute experience up there and that was deemed too long and too scary. So when it came to London in the Trocadero Centre, you remember we used to go and like play all the latest arcade games. Like Yeah. yeah. So it was in the basement there and it was a 15 minute, so you go for a tour of the bioweapons division and then naturally the aliens escape and it has to be locked down. You've got, so you've got actors in there with you. Are they like Marines? They're Marines. They've all got pulse rifles and then there's people in the actual alien costumes it was at one point they plant an actor in with you yeah and you yeah. don't know when yeah so he gets grabbed by one of the aliens so then you think oh my god we can get captured oh, that is gold was, I, I was about 14 when i went i was terrified like went with my dad yeah. because the old man's laughing his fucking ass off yeah um, it's a totally different experience but it was that it, it felt they're on par in terms of fun yeah okay like definitely sweet mate and I boss, went, boss checked it out as well did he? Yeah, Boz what? and Pablo went and loved it. Did they love it? Yeah, Boz got recognised. Did he? Bizarrely, like as apparently as what he's legends? like as he's like putting his kit on, he's talking, and somebody goes, "Excuse me, are you Boz from Simply Syndicated?" Oh, <laughs> what? That's, that's classic. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, does he get the Boz seal of approval? It does get the Boz seal of approval. I'm a, I need to check it out. And how long is it around Not for? Not much longer, like about Fuck two weeks. Sake. You've got a book. You can't just turn up as well. I'm going to miss that like I missed Alien War in the 90s. Yeah, Alien War's never coming back. What else is new? Venom's just dropped today. Tom Hardy, another voice. He's doing another voice. I've told you, it's his way into, if I ever get to meet him, it's the only question I'm going <sighs> to ask. Like, is it your way into character? Mate, he'll be walking down these corridors, mate, soon. I mean, to be fair, even though Tom Hardy is carved a niche at doing comedy voices for a living he is a, one of the most watchable actors i reckon yeah. he's so watchable yeah he's amazing i think it's good casting for venom mate i, I what i think is going to happen in venom is it's going to be like uh, the spider-man cameo in it inevitably there will be mm-hmm. one will be like the iron man car- cameo from homecoming 
But Venom's, that's Chris's prediction of the week. Venom's not even an anti-hero though, is he? He's just a straight out bad guy. I'm looking forward to it because I didn't know that Marvel were involved with it. I thought okay. it was just Sony just doing another terrible Spider-Man film or just another terrible film because of Sony. I'm slagging Sony off, aren't I, mate? What's, what's going on? Deadpool 2 just dropped as well. How are you feeling about that? Um... Were you a fan of the first Deadpool? You weren't really, were you? Yeah, I gave it 3.8, 3. didn't I? <laughs> 3.8 stars, which is pretty good, mate, because I am a tough crowd. <laughs> so this is... Um... Do you know what? The trailer's all right. It's just the usual stuff. Doesn't take itself too seriously. Fair enough. I'm up for that. And I, I did enjoy watching the first Deadpool. I thought it was good. But they binned off the director, didn't they? So it was like quite controversial. Tim Miller directed the first Deadpool. Is Tim Miller gone? Yeah. They that's, booted him off. That's strange because I thought he was... Mate, they, mate, they, he made talk- him a fortune. He made Fox a fucking killing with that film, didn't he? Because people were talking about him being one of the reasons that it was so good. And I don't, you read stuff about it and it was like... Couldn't find a clear reason why they'd done it. The, there's people saying that one of them, either him as a director or the pro- production guys, including Ryan Reynolds, I guess, wanted it to be a bigger budget film or wanted it to be a, another low budget film. Something's happened there. Recently, I watched a, there was like a 45 minute fireside chat between, there was James Cameron and Tim Miller being interviewed by, I don't know what it was, Hollywood Reporter or something like that, because. Tim Miller is now going to direct the Terminator reboot. Oh, God. Why don't they just let it die? I think it's billed as the Terminator reboot on IMDb. But the way they were talking about it was that it's not a reboot, actually. It's uh, the true third oh, James just Cameron Terminator film. Okay. Yeah, they were like slagging them off. Both James Cameron and Tim Miller were just, they just killed the, the, the Terminator films. They were like, nah, I mean, you know, like, you know, we have to make do for some stuff that happened, like, you know, the other ones. Um, but really, we're looking at one and two as canon, and this being the true third Terminator film, right? Um, but then, so they talked about Deadpool a little bit on that, because this was quite recent. And I think he got binned off last year. And he got quite emotional. He started crying, like, on stage. He, like, he, couldn't, he couldn't finish, like, what he was saying. Um, because he took the crew with him to make the uh, Terminator. And by the way, this is like, it's got James Cameron all over it and Goya as well, who's writing it. So okay. it, they've put oh, a color me intrigued. Yes, exactly. That see could, a little uh, face guy. <laughs> yeah, it really is a pricked up, haven't they? Yeah, that could work. <laughs> so could they've got David that. Goya writing it, mm-hmm. who's written like, it's really, I mean, what's he done? Batman Begins. Blade, Blade, yeah. Blade Trinity. Directed Blade Trinity, oh. the greatest films ever. Um, Batman, Blade. He's um, credited actually with the start because people, what do they say? The start of the modern superhero kind of movie is yeah. normally X Men. Brian Singer's credited with it, right? But some people would argue that Blade kind of loosened the top yeah of the jar. I think so. Yeah, and David Gore would say that as well because yeah, I've heard him say it. Fucking massively. <laughs> um, but so, I think he's right. I think he's right. Yeah, and he's prolific as fuck. Um, you know, whatever you say about like Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, like whatever, man. He had a he had a good he had a good hand in that. He's got his own. Is he showrunner for Krypton? I think he might be. Okay. Uh, or he's writing like a lot of it. So anyway, there's a lot of talent behind this film, and Miller has brought the full um, crew from Deadpool because they had such a good time making it over to make the Terminator. Um, 
so yeah, he got he got emotional about it. So something's happened. I read in between the lines, like I think Reynolds has binned him off, um, which is a shame because you know you don't like to see that. Did you just make that up? Did you just assume that I've made that up right now? Yeah, okay, that's good. Let's just check. We won't I want, made it up. We wouldn't want to give away anything that's actually make true. Make it up. Um, very quickly, like, 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 like any little gems that have caught your eye recently? What on um, TV and stuff? Yeah. No. How's your hands in my masterclass coming along? Hands in my masterclass is great. We moved on to Shonda Rhimes' uh, writing masterclass what? for TV now. What? Tell me about that. Shonda Rhimes is the original writer and showrunner for Grey's Anatomy. She's done a, a six-hour masterclass on writing for TV, ah. uh, which so far has been very entertaining. And she's been talking about uh, like knowing TV history, which is yep. the first time I've ever heard anybody actually like sort of mention that and she's not saying like you should say you need to know I think she's talking to new writers but she's saying like you've got to know more than just you know what's been on Netflix in the last year you know you've got to look about landmark TV like MASH why did that exist why was it good uh, yeah um, the West Wing you know why was that good why did it Sorkin. exist Sorkin yeah Sorkin it's been really interesting kind of listening to her like perspectives on what makes good writers great advice for pitching as well which uh, is cool yeah, yeah. she doesn't consider herself ready to pitch until she can say the entire pitch at double the speed with distracting music playing. Right, okay. Because then, she, because then you're ready to be sat in a room with somebody who's yeah. bored, not yeah, paying yeah, attention, yeah. You know, nothing will, will throw you off. That's good advice. She also talked about dissecting pilots, like finding pilot oh, scripts oh. And, find, and dissecting them so that you know why you know, they're good. And also finding bad ones and finding out why they suck okay. or why you think they suck. She's explained sort of... A, B, and C stories, which mm -hmm. I've never heard talked about inside what do you, shows. What do you so mean? you've got the primary. So within a show, you've got your A story, which is what's happening to the protagonist. Yeah. Um, the B story, you know, which is what's happening to somebody else. The so subplots. Yeah, the subplots, and then the C story, which is normally what's kind of they call like what's happening at home. So if like if that's the office, then it's just like a, you know who's in love with who in the office or yeah okay. you know, that that type of thing, and then how mm. much screen time you give to each of those plots. Within, within the various different acts, okay. which I've never heard mentioned before. Okay, cool. And does she follow like, a, does she talk about um, structure and like a, a typical three act structure or five or She's or talking more? about TV, so she's talking about five acts. Yeah, okay. Oh, cool, man. That sounds five good. Five acts without breaks. Yeah, so I'm just digesting. Cool. Can I have your login? Then I can have <laughs> it for free. I have to pay 80 quid. Okay, so um, you saying that you have seen Darkest Hour? Tell me, tell me, because they mixed that round the corner. Did they? They did. Right. What's for the benefit of uh, people that didn't see you? Uh, finger over there. Ugh, finger over there. Yeah. Point on Knoll Street Noel in Soho. Old-fashioned Soho. Soho. They mixed that, and I tried did to they? get in. I tried to get in for the final mix, and I couldn't. <laughs> what does that look like? What That's does like, you trying to get into a final mix of a famous me film look like? My mate going, "Oh, have you finished mixing? Any chance I can get in?" And them going, "No, no, we're busy." Yeah, um, it was good. It was all right. I mean, it's somebody said to me, mm. "Solid TV drama." Yeah, which is fine. And and therefore would be a bit of a letdown if it wasn't for Oldman putting in a pretty stunning performance. And do you know what? Sometimes, I mean, we go to the cinema. Sometimes you just want to see actors give one of the best performances um, that they've ever given, and you want just the acting to stand on its on its own, right? And that's what you get with this film. It's just an Oldman acting masterclass. So that's a joy. And the film itself is like meh, you know, but he elevates it. And makes it so watchable that, um, yeah, I, I absolutely recommend it. 
um, yeah, what people's thoughts of th- thoughts are of Churchill, and they are mixed, um, quite rightly so, from what I've read. But that aside, and it isn't really brought up in the film. Nothing's nothing really addressed. It's quite a simple um, uh, portrayal of the, of, of of that drama. Oldman is so good in this film, mate. Um, but then again, he's good in everything. Everyone! I love Mozart. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I saw. What a filthy piece of shit <laughs> did I do now? I love that. Um, so yeah, that was this week's news. Ooh, news. What do we want to talk about today, mate? Today, you wanted to talk about the master that is James Cameron. So we, you know, we were talking about um, the Terminator remake. Yeah. Well, that made me think. Um, hmm. I wonder what James Cameron's up to. Uh, and then that made me think. I don't care because it's more Avatar films. Let's talk about James Cameron. Hey. Um. So yeah, I thought we could chat about him. The big part of the big three. What does that mean? Spielberg. Cameron and Bay and Lucas. No, no, he doesn't sit at that table. What is the big three? Right. So the big three was an interview that I saw. I'm sure it was done by Empire. Could be wrong. Where it was like the three biggest directors in Hollywood at that time, which was five years ago. It was after Avatar had come out. All right, yes, 2009-ish. Spielberg, Cameron, Bay, Bay. As in like box office. It revenues. must be because it fucking can't be on talent. Michael Bay, mate. Michael Bay. We used to love that shit though. Remember how much we used to love Michael Bay? The Rock. Bad Boys. Armageddon. That's where I was going. He's had three good films. Three incredible films. I remember somebody coming out and saying that Armageddon was edited to within an inch of its life. <laughs> I was like, yep. And it was amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. J.J. Abrams script as well. Was it? Jabrams. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, shit. Maybe old Jabrams like represented. I remember watching The Rock at your house. Um, I remember stoned. screaming at the television like with The Rock. I was like, this is amazing. It's too good. Did you know? Right. I saw an interview with John C. McGinley a while ago. So Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Yeah. A while ago, and he was asked who the most disappointing person he ever worked with was, mm-hmm. and he said Sean Connery on The Rock. Yeah, that's most people's said, choice, isn't it? Sean Connery in whatever. I didn't notice. I've not heard he's that. An absolute miserable fuck. Well, he said Sean Connery. He said he was just a massive bully. Uh, I yeah, think that's really. coming from John C. McGinley. <laughs> How McGinley, much of an asshole do you have to be that McGinley's like, "Fuck you, you're a bully." Yeah, it's like, jeez. Oh shit, man. So, um, okay. disapp- disappointing. But uh, so met Sean Connery. You did? Met Sean Connery, oh, which wow. is to what say happened? that I walked past him in a corridor and said hello. Well, Edinburgh Film Festival. That's nearly as bad as my anecdote about Michael Caine, because I once followed him in Bruges <laughs> for about 10 minutes when him and his wife were looking for a uh, Zara Kids How do you know shop. they were looking for a Zara Kids? Because I, I was so close, I could overhear him talking. <laughs> he was like... Oh, I ain't got no... There's no Zara kids around here. His wife, Shakira. Australian? What's a um, Michael Caine voice? I've only gone and There ain't no, no Zara kids no. in Bruges. <laughs> oh, that was... You're a big... That was awful. You're big, I, can't even, I can't even think of a single line to do now. Well, I'm just going to go nosedive into Australian if I try that again, so I'm not going to try anymore. Yeah, followed him for about 10 minutes, and then uh, eventually you know, the trail went cold. He shook me off. I'm shake you off. <laughs> There's so, a wicked. I got so camp on this podcast. <laughs> so nice. There's a wicked story that he says about Kane's or Connery. Kane. Kane. 
someone knocked on his door, saw his wife, which he assumed was his housekeeper. Fuck. Gave her his coat. Was like, I have to speak to Mr. Kane immediately. Pushed his way in. And apparently said, Mr. Kane, do you know that the house down the road is going to be bought by Indians? And he, Michael Kane apparently goes, yes, yes, it, it is a problem. And the old man, <laughs> this dude was just like, once you get them in, you never get them out. And Michael what? Kane pointed at his wife, who was just gone and curled up in the living room. He goes, yes, yes, it is a problem. That's my wife. Once you get them in, you never get them out. Oh, uh, what? I was like, that's amazing. He's an absolute hero. Gotta love him. So we, so we can't even talk about James Cameron. <laughs> we tried to talk about Cameron for a few, <laughs> few minutes. That's because we got into Bay. We got into Bay. Oh, fucking hell, Bay. Come on then, talk to me. Talk to me about Cameron. Um, Why? D- Why do you want to talk about Cameron? Beyond to- oh, that's what we forgot to watch. The Battle Angel Alita trailer. <sighs> <laughs> you just rolled your eyes and touched it. <laughs> Was it like being told off by your dad? (laughs) Oh, I really don't want to talk about James Cameron. (laughs) This has really just become a show for about four people. Yeah, doesn't it? Um, Dave, Martin, Graham, Nick. Can't get excited about James Cameron. What's James Cameron done? (laughs) (laughs) I'll take you for a list. The reason I want to talk about James Cameron, mate, is because he's a weird filmmaker in terms of... He's he's massive. He's one of the most. He's he's created like some of the, the the highest grossing films of all time, and yet he's really only made like seven seven movies, right? And the gap between like his last two was about twelve years, which was Titanic and Avatar, and now he's just become obsessed. He gets really obsessed with things like Titanic and and just like deep sea diving, uh, and now he's just doing four Avatar films back to back or something. So he's a really interesting filmmaker, and we grew up watching his films, and we do love him. Yeah, well, I mean, he's an en- he's an engineer at heart, and some of the stories I've heard from people who work with him tell yeah. me the the two problems with James Cameron are he thinks he knows everybody's job better than they do, mm. and he does know everybody's job better than they do. Right? Like if people, if there was an example, I can't somebody given they were trying to figure out a camera for mm. ages to try and get it working, and in the end, camera was like, "Oh, fuck it, you know, I'll do it," and takes it to pieces figures out how it works puts it back together you know he's a super super intelligent guy yeah and he's always pushing the forefront of filmmaking technology such as so i mean if it's the new cameras and motion capture that's needed and rendering for avatar whether it was like all the rigs and stuff like that that had to be created in order to to raise a a full-scale model of the titanic in and out of water every time do you remember the controversy over that film with how much the budget was spiraling yeah yeah, it was never meant to be a 240 million dollar movie yeah yeah yeah. higher and higher yeah there were people i um, this is my usual name drop but like a friend of mine was in titanic what and tells stories the actual the original from like 100 years ago not working it's not working shit and tells stories about how they used to stop filming because helicopters would fly in like to the helipad yeah and the executives whose job it was solely to shut down movies yes. would get off. Cameron would walk out as they flew as they flew the in, in black. Cameron would walk out, meet them. They they'd step off the helicopter, but that's it. They wouldn't get any further out. There'd be lots of gesturing and shouting, waving. They get back on the helicopter and fly off. Right. Okay. And the movie would continue. Right. And of course, it broke box office records. They made all the money back. But I remember at the Oscars that year, because they'd had Fox had had two films that year. They'd had. 
Titanic, mm. which was nominated, but they also had Full Monty. Right. And Full Monty had taken almost as much money, but off a $2 million investment. Oh, so that yeah. had technically been the better bet. Yeah. And there, there was on the red carpet, somebody will find it somewhere, there was an interview with one of the Fox execs and somebody mm. said, is this going to set a new precedent for $240 million movies? And he just went, not from Fox and walked oh, off. Oh, yeah, really savage. Um, but it's not a better bet because like that, that amount, the amount of money that that grossed is incredible, especially on against the business's balance books, you know. So that, that kind of cash flow and that revenue coming in, ooh, yeah, catapulted that studio. Um and also he uh, pioneered technology for Terminator 2, didn't he? You know, with uh, Robert Patrick turning into a lava man. <laughs> <laughs> made of silver. Yeah. I say lava man, I mean he's made of liquid silver. He's a mimetic polyalloy. A mimetic? How do you know those because, lines? Because I watched the same making of that you did <laughs> back in 1994 or oh, whatever it was. Yeah, it's, James, it's a mimetic polyalloy, which means he's made of a substance that can imitate anything. Okay, cool. And what were you going to say? But the best special effects shot in that entire film I didn't know about until a couple of days ago. Yeah. So uh, there's the bit where Sarah Connor's injured at the end and she's trying to get John Connor to come towards her is that when he makes his pervy needle hand go that's through that's after he's made the pervy needle, needle finger hand. she's like john's just about to come over and then sarah connor steps out from behind oh, herself yeah. and the camera racks focus to her yes she's that's like, class. get out of the way john it's absolutely amazing i yeah. have no idea that linda hamilton had a twin sister <laughs> oh yes man that is genius though I isn't it no idea because for years i looked at things like that is one of the best split screen effects i've ever seen in my life i've no idea how they did it they didn't they didn't do it it was just a, yeah, a twin <laughs> it was just the oldest trick in the book classic um, absolutely amazing he uses yeah. a double which was the whole basis of the prestige <laughs> prestige starring hugh jackman the and fucking center of attention so good what is wrong with hugh jackman so these days mate what do you mean what's wrong well he's just gone weird mate he's, no like, he's gone weird Wolverine. yeah that's he, it no he's, he's got no direction he's rudderless i saw him on the graham norton show and he was just all me 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 right and he's oh, just god like, forbid an actor should want to talk yeah, about no but he's on another fucking level mate like he's, he's released an entire film about himself <laughs> called it the greatest showman and he's like but mostly me <laughs> you know he's like what is wrong with him man and the delight of him getting sacked off at the Golden Globes and losing out to Pervy James Franco in that like joke film that he made about the worst film ever made Pervy James Franco yeah so what remember we're still not talking about James Cameron though are we yes we are because listen listen okay. to this um, liquid gold uh, you know that documentary liquid I was on gold. about it's not amyl nitrate <laughs> do, you know that, do you know that documentary I was on about with Tim Miller the director of the new yes. Terminator film yeah. and James Cameron so in that Terminator not remake but sequel which bins off everything from Terminator 2 onwards and, and redraws it it will have it's starring both Linda Hamilton and Arnie again obviously fucking Arnie's in yeah. it right um, are they going to de-age him and do that horrible digital like, like the moustache thing good question no they're not because James Cameron chipped in at that point and said no, because if you remember, it's like a cybernetic yeah, it, living it, it, organism it on the outside. Yeah. So he would age, yeah. and, and his, the, his, his giant futuristic Duracell battery has 100 years of life in it. Um, so what you'd get is an, old, an aging um, cyborg. cyborg. And so, you know, with Goya behind it, writing it, I think there's an, an opportunity to create a kind of Logan character out of Arnie's T-800. Um, 
which is which is really interesting you know i'd love to see that and so listening to those two talk the director of deadpool who's a bona fide director in he um james cameron keeping a close eye on it and david goyer writing it might actually be a good terminator sequel it's about time it's just whether it's past it, it is about time mate have you seen is james cameron doing this so he can buy another submersible Probably. What? What is wrong with him? Nothing's wrong with him. He just loves the ocean. <laughs> Why does he love the ocean? He loves the ocean. He got distracted. So he got distracted. He he made Titanic and he got distracted by his love of the deep. Uh, oh no, it was Abyss, wasn't it? He filmed Abyss. He got distracted by the deep. <laughs> he says that he loved the water so much he only made films so that he could actually get and explore and yes. basically buy his submersibles and all that stuff. Yeah, that's right. So let's look at his canon of films then. Started out as, was he a special effects guy? You know, Piranha, like doing sets and stuff so. like that. Like, And his first film was a B-movie called Piranha 2, right? And in effect, like the Terminator as well is kind of structurally a B-movie too, isn't it? It's like, it's a monster film where the monster just chases the, the girl. Yeah, Boils down to that, yeah. didn't it? It broke new ground in terms of special effects and stuff like that. The eighties were well into cyborgs as well. Yeah, they it loved was it. massively. There was hardware. There was RoboCop. There was Terminator, and then there was more proper B movies as well and yeah. spin-offs. Um, there was actually Cyborg with Jean Claude Van Damme. Yes, yeah, Cyborg. Um, do you get to see boobs in that? Yes. Yeah. All right. Also, with the Terminator, it was like a masterclass in telling exposition well. And so a lot of the exposition happens during chase scenes. It does, yeah. Getting a car, fucking power away, and it's like, and then it's like, but it, is, it's, but it is essentially like, now I'm going to tell you a story. Yeah. I mean, they are hiding at the mo at that moment. They're hidden with, you know, hiding in the car. Yeah. In the or, parking structure. Yeah. yeah. Or, they're, or they're being chased in the car. Yeah, that's like, true. Or it's what like, what year? What year? <laughs> Who's Beard. the president? Michael Bean, couch shout. <laughs> he just elongates his words. Yeah, I love Michael Bean. How much do you love Michael Bean? Very much. Oh, Michael Bean. So yeah, Terminator was great. We followed up Terminator with Aliens, mate. Yeah, Aliens was massive. I was ter- In fact, that film is responsible for terrifying me more, I think, than any other film because I saw it way too young. I saw it about age nine. They mostly come at night. Mostly. Um, and for forever, I couldn't... I, I used to have to run to bed, like right oh. up into my teens. Like, you remember where I used to live at Honeywood Cottage? Yeah. In South Scarf? Yeah. And then my windy staircase. Yeah. If the lights were out, I had to run up those stairs, oh, like into shit. my bedroom and shut the door. Right. But I'm terrified for years. The xenomorph still scares me. Yeah. Like in nightmares and stuff like that. It's, um, I think I just saw it at just the wrong age. Was that, that's probably because you did Alien War as well, mate. How scary was that then? That was, again, that was utterly terrifying. With little guys in suits. <laughs> you had to walk through the eggs. Walk through the eggs by the Queen. Oh, really? They don't, they don't open, yeah. Is that in your dreams? No, that was in Alien. Fuck. Yeah, it was, was cruel. It was amazing. <laughs> what that? Do they have little pulse rifles? Yep. What, that made noise? Yep. What? Yep. Mate. Yep. It was crazy, though, because they were attached. The actual fire mechanism was attached to, like, the sound system. Was in it? In there, so it was deafening when they fired. <gasps> Let's but also, there was, um, there was, like, a little strobe within the muzzle. Ah, oh, nice. There's this little strobe, but was also attached to strobes within oh, wow. the um, the the set as well. So when they fired, the flash was just enormous, oh, and that yeah. coupled with the sound and stuff like that was deafening. No, I'll, I'll, I'll let them know. I'll no, let no, no, no. There was, no, there was, was a little museum at the end. It was all where you could see artifacts, like you could see the cryo tubes and, oh, yeah. and like costumes and stuff like that. Like Planet, Planet Hollywood. I don't know, I've never been. And the scaled model of the um, the troop transport as well. Oh, cool. With like the captain out of Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no so, one knows his name. They never know his name. No one knows his name. 
the so he uh, does aliens the Port Riser. For some reason, they had loads of massive issues with like the British crew weren't taking it seriously, and they were trying to on the set of Aliens on the set of Aliens. And Gail Ann Hurd was Brits. trying was constantly trying to organise screenings for the Terminator. Right. So the crew could see it and say, look, you know, this, this guy's was, legit. Yeah, like, because, you know, Ridley Scott had made Alien and he was yeah, British and yeah, people yeah. were like, oh, this guy's a hack. No one's heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so she was constantly trying to get them to go to screenings, but they'd never go. Right. Um, there's also the thing on the making of where Lance Hendrickson was on about punching out the AD because he was calling everyone the artists. <gasps> oh, he was, well, was he going to do a bail? <laughs> he was going to do a proper bail off. No, no, don't sir. him. like this. McGee got something to say to this prick. I didn't see it happen. You didn't fucking see it happen. Fucking Shane. Shane Hobart, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I was looking at the light. Oh, so. good for you. <laughs> good for you. How was it? I hope it's good because it's fucking useless now, isn't it? Just loves it. Shane Hobart just going, oh, piss off you, drama queen. <laughs> drama queen. Oh, I'm going to fucking on. kick your fucking ass. It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> you did get more amazing James Cameron slow-mo. You know, with a bag of grenade, a bag of ammo, and it's like, yeah. was that a thing? Terminator Two, with when when they come face to face, like Arnie comes face to face with um, Eddie Furlong, and he and yeah. he's got a box oh, of yeah. roses. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, and you know, I'll give everything it to you. else. And when he meets Sarah Connor, yeah, 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 when Terminator meets Sarah Connor because she thinks it's fine. Like, yeah. yeah, and that bit in Piranha Two, right at the beginning. Oh, okay, that's also remember that? No, oh, I haven't seen Piranha Two, have we? No. Um, so yeah okay and then so uh, that was Aliens and then after Aliens so, it did The Abyss so Aliens is massive The Abyss it was The Abyss even a hit I don't think I it think, was well, I don't know but technically again the film the whole thing underwater yeah which is incredible if anyone has I mean if anyone's got uh, The Abyss on DVD they've already got the making of yeah if you haven't it's like it's the best 59 minute making of ever find it on YouTube if it's on there just the really? cast talking about how fucking grueling it was really trying to make that film is Ed Harris in that Ed Harris was in that and he referred to his suit at the end as the fucking fluid breathing suit really well because he had to be dragged in order to make it look like they were going down yeah. really far, the camera was turned on its side and he was they turned the set sideways so they dragged him along. Oh, really? He can't oh. breathe. All so underwater? Yeah, yeah. So he can't breathe. So he's having to hold his breath for the whole time. Yeah. He can't see because the, the, the helmet itself is full of water. So they're constantly being followed by like bunny divers and stuff like that. Oh, um, the purification system fucks up so they're all getting too much like chlorine so their skin oh, and hair's what? getting bleached so who's in the abyss who's in the abyss uh, Mary, Liz Mary Elizabeth Munster Antonio what is that Maid Marion that's Maid Marion brilliant uh, Michael Bean. yes Michael Bean. Ed Harris yeah uh, it's kind of about it for, for big names why do I get it mixed up with Cocoon in my head because it's on the water is it yeah I don't even know if I've seen Cocoon he also did that famous like god damn it you bitch you've never backed away from anything in your life where basically Ed Harris twats Mary Elizabeth Munster Antonio until she comes back to life what? what do you mean? you need to see this scene it's been parodied so many times oh, basically it? Mary Elizabeth Munster Antonio storms off the set yeah. because they've been shooting it for hours and she's fucking she's half naked wait is this behind the scenes? Yeah, well, you don't see this bit, but you get told about it, and yeah, okay. it's, it's famous for it as well. Right. Um, right. Basically, there's this incredible shot of Ed Harris, like bawling his eyes out, yeah, and he's acting directly into the camera because she's fucked off by this point. Right. She's stormed off set, so they have to place the camera as yeah. her POV. Yes. Like buried in the set, and he's acting directly 
to camera for yeah. his like ultimate bit. It's incre- I had no idea. It's incredible. If you punch somebody enough, they will come back to life. Do you know what he made after the abyss? Terminator again. And it is kind of like a, a remake. I was like, 10 years old when I saw that thumb. Cried my eyes out of the thumb. Oh, that's sad though, isn't it? It's is so His little lava. Everybody wants a robot friend who can kill people. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that is true if you ask enough people. I remember that I remember that being like on Wogan and then like, like racking up how expensive it was. There's like a theme at that point onwards, maybe from the abyss onwards, when Cameron started putting wild budgets against films or making films that spiraled out of budget as well. Because I remember at the time um Terminator 2 was doing the rounds. Um, yeah, it was all about how expensive it was, how expensive Arnie was, and all that stuff. Like each line that Arnie said was worth whatever, $20,000. Yeah, because he spoke so. Do you know one thing they did? They were so desperate to get the t- time down in Terminator. What do you mean, the, 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 the running, running time? time. Yeah. And Cameron didn't want to cut anything, and he made, I can't believe it, he made the editor cut out one frame every 23 frames what because he worked out if he lost that many frames he could shorten the length by for the whole movie for the whole movie for a few minutes and then they wouldn't have to actually physically cut anything it's when he realized that you can't do that because every single frame is important yeah he's like goes by there but it was in an edit documentary about editing yeah he's saying like you know alone they're nothing but you all add them up and you've got a film yeah like every single frame is but he said the film was just the most unwatchable horrible it's just jumpy as yeah, I bet. Ugh. Fuck, yeah, yeah. like juddery and stuff. It sounds like such a stupid idea, but I can imagine the editor going like, no, really, it's not going to work. Have I got to take a frame out of the entire film no. to show you that this really isn't going to work? Yeah. That's a job for the assistant right there. You know, hey, you who makes coffee. Yeah, yeah, you're part yeah, of the team. Yeah. yeah, come in, try this. I like that bit where Miles Dyson, seriously, Dyson, like the Miles Bennett Dyson, yeah. The bloody Hoovers. I like it when he dies. It comes and then the <laughs> office block explodes. But real office block, like yeah. back in the days before CG. <laughs> a real office block? Real what? office block. No, but like... That gets nuked. Before CG, like that was a four-story office block. And that scene with the... Minigun. Scene with the minigun, like the pyrotechnics behind that. Yeah. Amazing, yeah, man. It's all about that. So Terminator Two is a joy. True Lies, which I which I thought was great. I used to love watching True Lies. I think a joy to watch. It was funny as fuck. How good was the CGI in when he's on that Harrier jump yeah, jet and he amazing. lands and he gets off it? And two, did you know that if you take the end credit score from Back to the Future, not the uh, Huey Lewis shit, but the actual score, you know. <laughs> that yeah and play it over the top of the intro scene to true lies which is do you remember like them infiltrating yeah. like yeah. a thing you know that shit yeah um it matches beat for beat perfectly what the cut or the music the music okay matches the cut and creates an incredible back to the future theme intro to two to true lies but now you know I've got it's to actually, I've got to go home and do this. Yeah, we've got to put it on the internet oh, for all our ruined all our my life. How did I figure that out? <laughs> <laughs> who told you about who this? In, who in the, no, I've, I figured it out. Did you really? Who in their right mind would, would overlay the score from Back to the Future <laughs> to the front of True Lies? 
so this is so me and me and pete were watching this by like, <laughs> true lies and for some reason i had like i'd got i think for like a fucking presentation at school i'd got the back to the future music yeah so i started playing it and we're like well let's watch true lies on video put that on and i kept the music on i turned it up and i said there let's have a bit of fun and uh, just like create a new intro and we were like holy shit it's matching <gasps> listen and it's like beat for beat. And right up until the end, he's like, it goes like, duh, 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 duh. and then he says like, honey, I'm home. It's so good. I can't, I can't wait to oh, show you. Checking that out. I can't wait. I and, can't wait. Um, it's going to be amazing. And then he did Titanic and Avatar. Goodbye. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing about Titanic that was astonishing was that it was billed to be a, a disaster. The press were gearing up. But, yeah, no, everybody was out for blood. They were at, Everyone's out for out, blood. Out. Yeah, the press yeah. was circling saying it's spiraled out of control. It's, it's already spent $240 million Yeah, or we whatever. read about it for months and months. And, months. and I think budget. most people went just to see this catastrophe. Yes, Maybe because it was called the Titanic and it was absolutely sinking, right? Yeah. The funniest thing about Titanic, um, which which M told me was, so M and her friend Grace both went to uni in Southampton, and uh, where the Titanic sailed from, right? And the music, the score to Titanic, there's a track called Southampton, and it's like the most wonderful, like the most magical theme in the world. Like it's like full of mystery, and it's like just as they're boarding, it's like this is the the adventure of a lifetime, and it's like and it's and it's Southampton, and it's just amazing listening to that soundtrack and picturing actual <laughs> real life Southampton. <laughs> so she showed me that I was I was pissing myself laughing at that. It's like. There's like a odd bins, uh, is that, paddy power. Is that vomit? Some vomit is. in the corner. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's that's the only thing worth talking about Titanic about, because then he he got lost in like Titanic world for years and years and years. There was a twelve year gap between Titanic coming out and Avatar. Right, the one James Cameron film I saw before Avatar was his Bill Paxton documentary on revisiting the titanic where he puts bill paxton in another one of those pods and sends him to the Titanic. it's cruel really sends him to the titanic and he like floats around it an actual documentary just a dumb defenseless animal in a cage underwater oh, bill paxton i know i know poor bill what a loss bill weasley game over man game, game over so uh, he sends bill paxton charge. <laughs> cut the power i'm gonna cut the power calm down bill mate <laughs> The, um, Stop your grinning, drop your linen, found yes. him. All right, that ass is an elbow. <laughs> so anyway, my point was... Hey, Vesquez, you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? I saw that in like Barcelona at the IMAX there in Catalan. It was dubbed in, Sp it was dubbed in Catalan from English. What, and Titanic? The, no, this, this, keep up the documentary. I don't know what it's okay, called. Like right. something about the abyss or the, the Titanic? Deep. Yeah, something like that. It was dubbed in Catalan and the subtitles were in Spanish and it was an IMAX in 3D. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? It was about like an hour long as well. But the one thing I got from it was, holy shit, IMAX in 3D is the future. It was, it was mind blowing. And I, cause I hadn't seen a 3D film at that point i remember coming out of avatar and in terms of spectacle just being completely and utterly blown away like i'd never i'd never seen anything like it and i remember That's, yeah that is I, true. I remember sitting and thinking like oh my god there is no film 
that could from 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 spectacle like that to kitchen sink drama. It was the greatest that, film ever made. That could not be enhanced by being in three D. Then you had the whole spate of there were three D conversions, and everyone was arguing that they're not as good. And well, that was before, wasn't it? This is like no, it was after. No, it was after. No, it was after because the, no, because the argument was between stuff that was shot in three D. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then stuff. Then everyone was like, ah, oh, studios like people like three D movies. We didn't shoot this in three D. Fuck it, we can make it stereoscopic. But yeah. also, it was to combat. It was the same time as the rise of piracy as well. Yeah. And it was one way because you couldn't pirate three D movies. Yep. at the time so there was the kind of rise in that and now it's it's kind of going away yeah. I remember being just visually astounded by what I'd seen like the colour the rendering yeah. uh, you know it is essentially Dances with Wolves with, what Avatar yeah yeah isn't it or Fern Gully <laughs> as other people said Fern <laughs> Gully there was some cool stuff in that totally unnecessary voiceover Giovanni Ravisi was there a voiceover? yeah there was but only at the beginning only a bit about talking oh, about how his brother had been killed for the, oh, yeah, for the paper in his wallet and you're like oh this is cringeworthy oh, um, and Sigourney Weaver yeah it's like a, a giant blue rat thing I do remember thinking this is the best looking most photorealistic CGI I've ever seen the weird thing was that I came out of that as well thinking that was pretty that was class as a spectacle that was absolutely fantastic and I've never wanted to watch it again since no me neither N- what's all that all. about because so, you know yeah. that that's all it was and it was overly long and a bit sentimental and there was a bit about a tree that lasted ages I've seen clips of it on TV and I was and it looks bad like the CGI looks it stands out Whereas at the time, it didn't at all. It was like, my God. Oh my God, I'm 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 there. I think I'm in. (laughs) I think I'm in too deep. So he's a a director that is at the forefront of of the technology side. Yeah. The engineering and technology side of making films. And then he he flirted and tried to push 48 frames a second, which is disgusting. Yeah, so he he? and Peter Jackson Mm. were on board for the 48 frames a second thing because it was much smoother and made everything much nicer. And you can shake your head, but you were like, yeah, because panning looks shit in 24 frames. I know, that's true. I still believe that. And then we saw what 48 frames a second looked like on a fantasy film because The Hobbit was like that. Mm. And it looked like the news it was too smooth and it looked like it had been shot on a handy cam. And it jumps. It it's, jumps as well. It was, it was ju- like, whoa. Just in the same way that motion fucks up on TVs that um, have like true motion, motion. Yeah. true motion on it. It judders. It's the best. And the Hobbit juddered. So many people in the, in the TV industry hate like yeah. clear scan and true motion yeah. and of course it's on by default on TVs because it makes the picture look clearer and stuff yeah. like that and people walking past going like ooh but it's the first thing I turn off it's awful it's alright for football and PS4 but for anything else it's I mean, horrible and the, the reason behind wanting to make the change was because like 24 frames a second became the standard because you know you're hand cranking at that time it was the average speed that somebody could actually maintain yeah, yeah. and it's it's just because it's become the norm, we associate that texture, that look with the cinema. Yeah, it's a joy. It's, but it's an arbitrary Compared number. To, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Their thinking was, you know, well, we can do this better, da, da, and I'm yeah. so glad that it hasn't happened because it's shit. Yeah, it doesn't work, does it? It works for, like, James Cameron and Peter Jackson, big panning uh, cinematic For the shots. shots. But, but, you know, that's it, though. It, it's, it's a real, like... Yeah, it's a horrible thing to watch in like live action. And he put a lot of money into 
I thought it, they called it the Void for. Oh, it's the motion capture studio. Yeah. Okay. So the the thing is, he doesn't. And then he went on a rant and said that Wonder Woman wasn't empowering for women. Oh shit! I forgot about that. Him. What a dick. There's something had gone to his head. Like probably people had said for years that he was one of the few directors that had made like the like position Con- like women of power in cinema. Right. Without, I think his point was without picking up and glorifying just there she was yeah. and, and I agree with it like she was yeah. fantastic but to turn around and say to somebody like actually no you're shit you're not doing it she oh, was just basically a woman in a short skirt like what fucking just yeah. what even say it just if that's what you think keep your opinion to yourself I know yeah fuck's sake um, and now he's committed to all these Avatar films I mean I don't want to see any more Avatar films which is kind of strange because he to me James Cameron is a director that creates his own IP or as a genre filmmaker like Aliens for instance um, take that and put a twist on it and do that and leave it like he won't go back to Terminator films to direct them yeah or to write them but that's because he's done I mean he's done I mean he finished like Terminator 2 categorically ends like he didn't anticipate somebody would do any more sequels you know and he was pissed off when Terminator 3 was announced because he was like you know you've got this thing you think it's yours and then you realise you don't own it anymore yeah maybe that's why he's so invested in this Terminator film well he's seen how shit it can be without him yeah but I thought but there was all this like bollocks about him giving his seal of approval to the last film because it was a reboot, but yeah. which was just bullshit, mm. um, and which might be bullshit this time around. But I'm excited if they can if they can do a Logan esque version of Arnie as an old an aging Terminator dude. Um, I'd love to see that. Okay, guys, that's us uh, for this week. When you get out of here, tell us what you think about the crap that we talked about this week, and don't forget to like us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. I've created an Instagram page that's well behind. I'm about four weeks behind on that. And then get involved in the comments on Facebook because we love chatting about stuff, don't we, Tristan? We do. And what's the deal with Henry Cavill? He loves us.